And we are once again streaming live, so we want to welcome all of our internet uh, audience and uh, trust God that God will speak to us wherever we are. If you're in the auditorium, that God will speak to us. And if you're away somewhere and you're tuning in, uh, and for that matter, if you're... Um, you know, pull this message up on demand uh, from our uh, YouTube channel that God will speak to you as well. So let's pray and uh, commit our time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again that you're present by your Spirit. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here to open the eyes of our understanding and to speak to us and to show us things that we need to see and to tell us things that we need to know and to equip us for the days ahead as we are in these last days, Lord, that you're helping us to be strong. And you're helping us to be effective in serving you and efficient in reaching out to reach other people for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, the title of uh, this series of messages that we have embarked on some weeks ago now is How to Master Your Mind and Rule Your Own Life. How to Master Your Mind and Rule Your Own Life. And, uh, of course, we talked about getting a hold of our minds. We talked about ruling our own life um, under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's not about doing our own thing, but it's ruling our life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ rather than our mind rule us. Remember that God's given us a mind. We are not our mind. God's given us a mind, and we need to make it serve us. Uh, that we are, uh, as the born-again spirit, that we're in charge of our lives. And let me ask you, how's your mind been in the last few weeks? Has it, things got any better with these messages? Are you uh, applying the, 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 the truth of God's Word and laying a hold of things in a better way? Is that a fair enough question to ask? Anybody? Your mind's better today than what it was six weeks ago? All right. It means that it's working. All right. It means that it's working, and the Word always works if we work the Word. Just a very quick recap before we cover uh, some more ground again. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 is our key scripture where it says here, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We said that this understanding here, that Paul the Apostle is, is uh, getting across to us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is absolutely foundational to much spiritual truth. That we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. We are a three-part being. And we said that our, our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And so if we're talking about getting a hold of our mind, uh, getting a hold of our soul, then we need to have this understanding because many people think they're a mind. But you're not a mind. You're a spirit. You have a mind. Some people think they're a body. You're not a body. You're a spirit. You have a body. All right? But uh, you're not a body. Uh, and when people say, look at me, you know, like, look at me. Well, actually, we're only looking at the, at, at the body uh, of a person. But when we look into people's eyes, we look into their spirit. And that's, anyway, that's a whole other area. I don't want to get too sidetracked uh, into that. But we made five points at the beginning. And I want to keep on repeating those because they are absolutely, um, uh, you know, the basis of uh, everything else that we are saying. We say, number one, that our mind is the pivotal point of our lives. Pivotal in the sense that it can swing this way, swing that way. Wherever our mind goes, eventually our life will go there as well. Secondly, we said that ruling and reigning in life begins by ruling in our thought life. Reigning in our thought life. Getting a hold of our mind. Uh, number three, we said that renewing our mind involves replacing our thoughts with God's thoughts. 
and we said that the Bible is actually God's thoughts written down. Thoughts that, uh, that God had spoken that were recorded for us to train our mind. And we said that, number four, the Holy Spirit helps us moment by moment to monitor our thinking or monitor our thoughts and align them with God's thoughts. This morning, I would like to speak to you about laying a hold of the mind of the Spirit. How to lay a hold of the mind of the Spirit. Now, last week, we talked about the mind of Christ. And this morning, I want to speak to you about the mind of the Spirit. Uh, and somebody might say, well, what's the difference? Well, uh, in practical terms, none. <laughs> you know, the mind of the Spirit and the mind of Christ uh, are really the same thing. It is the mind of God. Um, though we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are Trinitarians. We believe in the Trinity, uh, that there's only one God, but there are three persons. And, uh, and also to uh, remind ourselves that... Uh, that the Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Christ, so that there is an interconnectedness between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you, you can't find a crack in between them anywhere or any division. They're just absolutely one, yet they are three distinct persons. Uh, and so I want to start by reading Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, uh, a verse of Scripture that we have quoted along the way and probably touched on in one of the previous sessions. I want to just focus in again on that as a starting point, and then we're going to launch out. And as always, you know, I know where I'm starting out. I'm just not entirely sure where we're going to end up. Uh, but we trust that we are going, to, going on a journey today. And uh, for some of us, it's reminding us of things that we already know. Uh, it's refreshing our understanding in some areas. Um, if things have perhaps waned a little bit. And for others, this is new teaching. But whatever it is, let's lay a hold of it because I believe that our lives are going to be stronger um, afterwards uh, th uh, as a result of uh, laying a hold of the Word. So, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The implication here is that when it says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And uh, today I would like to focus uh, on the work of the Holy Spirit in developing soundness of mind. Uh, much of the previous uh, messages have focused around renewing our mind with the truth of God's Word. Today I want to exclusively or almost exclusively speak about the work of the Holy Spirit in helping us to get a hold of our mind. In the Amplified Translation, it uses the, instead of saying a sound mind, it uses the words a well-balanced mind. A well-balanced mind. I, I, I don't know about you, but we all want a well-balanced mind. If we have a well-balanced mind, we are... Um, we are pretty assured that we will have a well-balanced life. When you've got somebody that's very extreme because they're extreme in their mind. But if somebody's a well-balanced person, then they will have a well-balanced mind. The Holman Christian Standard Bible calls it sound judgment. God's given you not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound judgment. And uh, what that means is that we can look at a situation, um, we can 
observe something that goes on in front of our eyes. We can hear a conversation or somebody says something to us or somebody says something about us and we can make a sound judgment about the situation. Uh, what would be uh, the alternative? Well, sometimes people get uh, you know, a, a skewed view of what goes on before their very eyes. Um, they impose something on it that's not in the actual situation, but they impose it out of their own skewedness of their own mind, out of their own skewedness of their own heart. Um, you know, straight thinking, we use the term straight thinking. Uh, straight thinking can only be done by people that have a straight mind. But if somebody's got a chip on their shoulder or they've got a, a brokenness in their heart, then everything they see will, t will be colored and will be tainted. And so that's why the Bible says that we have not been given a spirit of fear, that we're not viewing things in a fearful sort of a way or in a skewed sort of a way, but we view and we hear things in a sound, balanced sort of a way. And uh, I can see that some of you are really getting excited about my preaching here this morning, so that's very encouraging to me. So in the, <laughs> in the uh, Good News translation, the same verse, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For the Spirit that God has given us, capital S, indicating that this is actually speaking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that God has given us does not make us timid. Instead, his spirit fills us with power and love and self-control. And instead of using soundness of mind, in this translation it uses self-control. Well, self-control again begins in the mind. If I can control my mind, uh, and then I can control where I go and where I don't go. So the whole area is absolutely linked together. And, you know, different translations may uh, use different words to bring out different facets of truth, but it's all the same truth. Is everybody okay with that? I remember many years ago, many years ago, um, as a young person that got saved in our church, uh, and it was my job to follow them up. So I made a phone call, and I got the mother of this person on the phone, and she was not a happy lady. That, uh, you know, their uh, young one got, got saved and invited Jesus to come into their heart. And boy, this lady unloaded on me. And I forget the detail of, uh, of uh, the, the whole conversation, but I remember she says, and she says, and what about this whole, you all got, they're all different versions of the Bible, as in meaning that there's different Bibles. There's actually only one Bible, just as different translations. And sometimes the terminology is what trips people up. We talk about the King James Version. Um, well, it's, it's not another version. It's another translation. It's a bit like, you know, people say, well, I've got a religion and you've got a religion and I've got a different version. No, 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 no. There's only one Bible. All right, but there are different translations. So it's just interesting how sometimes people get tripped up with terminology. Developing a sound, well-balanced mind and sound judgment is done with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. I hope I've not in any way communicated 
in past messages that all you need to do is get the Word and, and do it by, just by yourself and you're going to get there because the Word and the Spirit always work together. And the Spirit always uses the Word uh, to bring us to the place where He wants us to be. Um, and you know, in John's Gospel, when Jesus was uh, teaching His disciples about uh, the Holy Spirit, and that was John chapter 13, 14, 15, um, He used the word helper. He says, when the Spirit comes, the helper. And he called him the helper. And uh, one of the most basic functions of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to help us. All right? He helps us. And uh, with that understanding, I want to flow into Romans chapter 8, verse 26. And uh, read this passage of Scripture that basically repeats what we've just said, that the Holy Spirit helps us. But in this instance, it speaks about a specific aspect of the help that the Holy Spirit provides to us. Uh, it says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. Everybody say weaknesses. Do we have any weaknesses in our lives? I think we have a few. All right. He says, it says, he helps us with our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. On the face of it, quite a difficult to understand verse of scripture. And I go back to when Pastor Vanessa and I began, you know, when we got born again and we got filled with the Spirit and we began to, you know, we got into Bible college and, and before we even getting into Bible college, we were listening to teachings by Kenneth Hagin uh, who was uh, a Spirit-filled uh, Pentecostal minister of the gospel, uh, stood in the office of a prophet and of a teacher of God's Word and he tortured taught us much of the understanding that we have today. Um, that word weaknesses there, that the Holy Spirit helps us with our weaknesses, that word weaknesses basically means a state of limitations. We are limited in ourselves, uh, uh, and of course we know that. All right, we are limited in ourselves, so it speaks about a limitation. Um, one translation uh, uses, in, instead of using the word uh, um, weaknesses, it uses the word infirmities. Because in other parts of the Bible, that same Greek word is translated infirmities. And it's almost indicating that, you know, the infirmity is speaking about sicknesses and diseases and so forth. And that in a remote sense could be part of it. The Holy Spirit helps us with that as well, you know, to get well. But specifically, uh, the... Uh, for example, the Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Commentary says that it says, though more may be involved in the concept of weaknesses, the primary reference here is to mental ignorance. All right? Mental ignorance. Um, uh, how that, where does he get that from? Well, these people are scholars. They, they're, they're experts in, in, in the Greek language. And then furthermore, it's built into the context. He says he helps us with our weaknesses. Well, what might those weaknesses be? He says, for we do not know. We do not know. We, we're ignorant about some things. We, we do not know. There are certain things we just do not know. And uh, that's really the primary reference uh, uh, when it speaks about weaknesses. But you know, Pastor Rick Rainer goes a step further. 
how many of you uh, came to the ICFM conference that we had a number of years ago and Pastor Rick Rayner was there? I mean, gosh, talk about a minister. Talk about a scholar. Talk about an expert in the Greek language. Uh, it's, just, uh, it's just amazing, this man. Here is what he says. He says, the word weaknesses also includes all kinds of mental illnesses. It also includes all kinds of mental illnesses. So if we believe what Rick Rennie is saying is right, and I do, because I got great faith in what that man brings forth, because, I mean, he's just such a balanced, such a, a learned and a studied man, then we could read this verse this way. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us with our mental illnesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. You know, sometimes you find yourself in a situation, mental illness or not, mental illness or mental ignorance, whatever it is, we find our sit ourselves in situations again and again and again where something is going on, and we know we should pray about it, but we don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray because the situation is we just don't have enough information about it. God knows all things because God's looking down and God knows what goes on in the hearts of men. God knows what was said in the past. God knows what is said right now. God what is said in the future. But our vision is limited. We only know so much and many times we don't know very much at all. All right, about certain situations. And so the Holy Spirit helps us with that. Um, and then he says, the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, people who are used to you know, intercession, when we say, you know, people who are just experienced in the area of intercession, uh, they understand groanings because when a spirit of intercession comes on you, there will be groanings. Um, and uh, there is kind of like a, a kind of a, a groaning that goes on. And literally the word groaning is like, you know, when some, somebody, you know, they, they might get hurt and then they, ooh, you know, they have a kind of a, they, they give you a groan. Well, that's the kind of indication that the Bible gives us here, that the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, <laughs> a groaning that cannot be uttered, I'm saying, this is a rather difficult verse of Scripture to understand, but again, we have help. When Kenneth Hagin used to teach from this verse of Scripture, he would teach about speaking in tongues from this very verse of Scripture. In fact, uh, he says when we pray in tongues, one Bible translation calls it in unknown tongues, uh, because they're unknown to the speaker. Um, in, in, in another translation, it calls it other tongues. Sometimes uh, we refer to it as our heavenly prayer language. Speaking in tongues is our heavenly prayer language. It's all the same thing, but we use different terms to get the truth across and to describe what we are talking about. He says, when we pray in unknown tongues, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us in and through us. In and through us. Um, so we say, when it's born again, spirit-filled believers, where's the Holy Spirit? He's on the inside of us. He, he, he dwells in our spirit. All right? Um, 
and, uh, and when we speak in tongues, there is sometimes a groaning involved in the middle of all of that, but uh, not necessarily, but that whole area of when it says groanings which cannot be uttered, P.C. Nelson, who was, again, another scholar, uh, a theologian that used to speak about this very verse of Scripture, and he says that this groaning, he says, which cannot be uttered in articular speech. Articular speech meaning your re regular speech. Um, your, your language, your mother tongue that you speak. He says there is a groaning and there is a, a language that is not your regular speech, but it's another speech. It's another uh, one. And in, in fact, in uh, uh, Jameson Fawcett, uh, a brown uh, commentary, it says, it cannot be expressed in articulate language. And again, indicating there that that's our regular language. In New Zealand, we got uh, two languages that are you know, what we call official languages. One is English, the other one is Maori, and then you travel to another country, you know, they got another language there and so forth. But, but when we get baptized with the Holy Spirit, we receive a heavenly language. And that's the words that are in, in kind of indicated here. When we pray in tongues, we do the speaking but it's the Holy Spirit who gives us the words, the language, and the utterance. You know, in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, uh, it says there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, that it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared uh, to them cloven tongues as of fire, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, in unknown tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. As the Spirit gave them utterance. And this is a very basic understanding that many Pentecostals don't have. Um, and that is this. When we pray for somebody to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, I tell him ahead of time, I says, listen, when I lay hands on you and tell you to speak in tongues, don't you just stand there with your mouth closed because you need to do the speaking. And the Holy Spirit will give you the language. If you don't speak, the Holy Spirit can't give you the language because how can a language come out if you've got your mouth closed? All right? So it's very basic understanding. As I say, I was up in, uh, at a Pentecostal church in, uh, in Asia last year and... Uh, here are 40-odd Bible college students, uh, and only half of them are filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and when the pastor began to speak to me about that, I says, what about the others? He says, I don't know. I don't know. Well, by the time I was there three, four days and left again, most of them were filled because this basic understanding helped them to break into the baptism of the Holy Spirit and to receive the gift. Um, of speaking in tongues. So it says, I'm very confident that with this understanding, if somebody's born again and they're open to the, the whole concept of being baptized, we can get them filled. There's no question. Because people sometimes still have the old Pentecostal uh, thinking of, you know, we are tarrying for the Holy Spirit. Tarrying means we are waiting. We are waiting. And because Jesus says, wait in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And there's still many Christians around the world that are still waiting. 
But within days of Jesus saying, wait, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. And all we need to do now is receive, no longer wait. Very basic understandings of the whole Pentecostal um, you know, world and, and expression and so forth. So, so we do the speaking and the Holy Spirit gives us the language. And people sometimes say, well, yeah, but if I open my mouth and, and, and I don't know what to say, well, you will. If you open your mouth and you begin to speak, it's like, this is, it's like hand in glove. You know, like it's a, if people say, well, come first, the chicken or the egg. It's like you've got to open your mouth and begin to speak. And when you speak, the language is right there. If you don't speak, because many people that I've prayed for over the years, they come with the understanding of the thing, okay, Pray for me and then the Holy Spirit will speak through me. No, no. Well, yes and no. You speak, the Holy Spirit gives you the words. If you wait for the Holy Spirit to speak, it's not going to happen. Because the Holy Spirit is only your helper. He, he's not the one that does everything. He says, you speak. And the Holy Spirit gives you the words. This is how the Holy Spirit helps us. And sometimes people take this verse of Scripture that we've just looked at, and it says, oh, Oh, the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, makes intercession for us. Oh, that means I don't have to do anything. No, 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 you have to do something. The Holy Spirit is not doing everything for you. He's helping you to do things. <laughs> Holy Spirit and us flowing together in cooperation. So in verse 27 of Acts, uh, rather of Romans 8, it goes on to say, Now he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. You see that? The mind of the Spirit. Evidently, the Holy Spirit has a mind. And of course, there's not any great revelation other than to affirm that quite obviously the Holy Spirit has a mind. And like we said, that Jesus has a mind. And, and, and I would like to suggest to you that that is the most perfect and brilliant mind that anybody has in the whole universe. All right, but we can take the mind of the Holy Spirit and train our mind. And I want to speak to you a bit more around this whole area. So he says, he says, he, he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Makes intercession for the saints. And you know, part of our Praying for others is, we need to know what God's will is for them. Otherwise, we, are, we, we, we can pray what we sometimes call directive prayers. Oh, God, you know, make them do this, or God, turn them into that. It might not be God's will to, for them to do that or to turn them into that. We know God's general will. God wants to turn everybody to look more like Jesus Christ, to be conformed to the image of His Son. We know that, that God wants people to be in the will of God. God wants people to live righteously. God wants people to live fruitful lives. But sometimes enthusiastic, inexperienced uh, uh, Christians pray something over somebody that's not even... God's will for their lives, and we call that directive prayers, and uh, and they're not necessarily good good prayers, even for the person that's being prayed for, because you're getting like an influence coming. It's like, what's going on here? It's like you know, the, oh, there's people praying directive prayers. Uh, you know, many many years ago, I had uh, um, we had a uh, one of those enthusiastic Christians in our 
in our church, and uh, that person felt a strong need to go some places to pray from, you know, high places and so forth. And I'm okay with that, you know, but, but he decided that he was going to sit in his car outside my house and pray for me and pray stuff over me that just wasn't God's will. And I'm in the house, and I can't figure out my, my mind is just, there's just confusion going on. I'm, I'm feeling oppressed. And, uh, and this guy is, is praying and, and everything else. So anyway, uh, I don't want to get into the detail of all of that because some of it I understand and some of it I don't. But, uh, but my declaration today is that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And that weapon includes the devil wanting to use an ignorant Christian to, to pray something on me. That's not God's will for my life. All right. So anyway, let's flow on from here. It says, uh, it says uh, it, because he makes intercession, he, the Holy Spirit, makes intercession for the saints. You know, it's an amazing thing, but the Bible says that Jesus intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. I mean, it's like, what can go wrong? If we ourselves are praying, Jesus is praying, the Holy Spirit is praying. Well, actually, uh, Jesus is praying on our behalf, but actually the Holy Spirit is praying through us. This is the key. The Holy Spirit is praying through us. He's not praying apart from us. He's praying through us. Uh, very important for us to understand. And he says, according to the will of God, in line with God's will for our lives. So the Holy Spirit is praying through us and praying the will of God on us and move us into the will of God rather than some, you know, weird person praying something on somebody that's not even God's will. So, when it says, he who searches the hearts, you see, Father God is the one who searches our hearts. Just to break that verse down a little bit. And then it says, it says, uh, he knows the mind of the Spirit. Father God knows the mind of the Holy Spirit. And for that matter, the Holy Spirit knows the mind of Christ. And, and Christ knows the mind of the Father. There is really no division between them. So I don't want to make this complicated in any way and go into more detail than what's necessary. But the will of God, there's only one will of God for you and me. There's not 15 wills. There's only one will. All right. There's a general will and there's a specific will. And uh, he says, it says here, he knows the mind of the Spirit. You see, when we speak in tongues... The Holy Spirit makes intercession for us from His own mind, which is totally in line with the will of Father God. So, I want to give you a few points because I am convinced that the whole area of speaking in tongues, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, or what the early Pentecostals used to call the second blessing. The first blessing is salvation, is to be born again. But the second blessing is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. There's still much teaching to be done around that because there are Christians around the world who haven't come into that experience. Sometimes because they haven't known how to. And sometimes because well-meaning preachers are preaching against it. Because the preachers themselves haven't got the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, they're speaking against it. And I should say this. I should say this. You get uh, what we would call non-spirit-filled, even theologians who are brilliant people in themselves. They're, they're speaking a, a, against the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, 
it's because of what they've seen in the, in the Pentecostal and in the charismatic environment. You know, we sometimes use the word charisma, charismatics. You know, sometimes we use the word charismaniacs. Some Christians that are spirit-filled are just maniacs. Because it's all about the gift. No focus on the fruit. And the primary example in Scripture is the Corinthian church. They were into their gifts in a major way. And completely misusing them. Because they didn't have the fruit. There's no love. No joy. There's no peace. There's no gentleness. There's no kindness towards each other. It was, just, it was just all about the gift. And no focus on the fruit. You see, love is the fruit of the Spirit. And it has different flavors. And there's nine fruit of the Spirit. There's nine gifts. Uh, but there's nine fruit. If we overemphasize on the gifts and underemphasize uh, on the fruit, we've got a mess on our hands. And so sometimes I, I can understand, you know, they, they talk about the chaos in the charismatic world. And there is a chaos there because Christians that are spirit-filled have under-emphasized on the developing love. And they're just all into the gifts and they're playing games and having all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff going on. And yet uh, Paul the Apostle said to the Corinthian church, he says, let all things be done decently and in order. Decently and in order. Uh, and that's Holy Ghost order. That's not our concept of order. But when somebody doesn't have love and they're operating in the gifts, it's out of order. I want to prophesy. I want to prophesy. Yeah, but, but do you love people? What, what, what's that? No, you can't prophesy. If, 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 you, if you don't love people, don't prophesy. It, it'll go all wrong. I want to do this. I want to do that. No, no, no. Let's, let's, let's just make sure that, that love and the gifts flow together. So when we speak in tongues, uh, number one, we speak to God. We don't speak to each other, for no man understands him, 1 Corinthians 14 tells us. He says, for we speak unto God. Number two, or the second point there, the, when we speak in tongues, the Holy Spirit maneuvers us into the will of God. And we've just read that when when. when you know, when we speak in tongues, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. Just general speaking in tongues, our day-to-day -day praying for spiritual edification, God uses that to maneuver us into the will of God. And when we are in the will of God, He uses that to keep us in the will of God. Because sometimes Christians get there, then they flow back out again. That one minute they were in the will of God, and the next minute they're out of the will of God. Um, and as I said, Vanessa and I just traveled together, and when we travel together in the car, we get hours to talk, and we talk about this, that, and the other. And we're just noting that, uh, you know, a friend of mine, minister friend, um, he got out of the will of God probably about uh, 15, 18 years ago. And like I was right there, I, I saw it. Uh, we heard what he was deciding to do and decisions that he had made. You know, they talk about young people and choices, you know, choices. And they've got a whole program around helping people to, to write, you know, young people to make right choices. Well, we need, we need, we need help with, for ministers uh, even to make right choices because they can make that dumb decisions too. This man was convinced uh, that he was on the right path. And he got out of what he was in and he separated from from. Uh, the ones that we're running with. Um, and now looking back, we've only just found out uh, just a few days ago that the, it's, it's like the final, the final thing now uh, proves to us today 
that what the man said, and I told him, I said, look, I, said, I, I don't feel good about this. I said, this is, I can't see how this is God's will. But no, he says, he, he, he was convinced it was. Now, we've got the benefit of looking back. It was a wrong decision. It's hooking up with the wrong people. It's unhooking from the right people. See, there's a whole book that's been written. Uh, what's it? Jens and Franklin. Right people, right places, and something else that I can't remember right now. You've got to run with the right people. You start running with the wrong people, something will go wrong. Something will go wrong. It's not when it goes wrong. It, it's not if it goes wrong. It's when it goes wrong. So the Holy Spirit maneuvers us into the will of God. We, and then in brackets there it says, we search for, when we speak in tongues, we search for and we discern the will of the Holy Spirit. We, there's like a searching, there's like a radar that goes out. And we speak in tongues and we find the will of God and we move towards that and we move into it. It's possible to be in the will of God. It's also possible to be out of the will of God. And when we speak in tongues, we receive revelation from God concerning His will for our lives. In Colossians 1 verse 9, Paul the Apostle, he says, We do not cease to pray for you that you will be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, if somebody else can pray for me to do that, then I can pray for myself to receive revelation of God's will and to receive spiritual understanding. Speaking in tongues is hugely underrated. Many Christians don't know that that's the experience that they should have. And sometimes you get speak, tongue-speaking Christians that don't speak in tongues. Like they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they hardly use the gift. They don't know the benefits of it. So I, I believe it's hugely underrated. So when we pray in the Spirit, God's mind, the mind of the Spirit is impressed upon our mind. In fact, when we pray in the Spirit, there is a Spirit-to-Spirit -spirit communication going on. The Holy Spirit releases revelation into our spirit. And then it spills over into our mind. We're still speaking about the mind. And suddenly, as we spend time praying, and it's almost like sometimes you just, we do not know how we should pray or what we should pray, but when we pray in the Spirit, it's always the perfect prayer for the situation always always the perfect prayer always because the Holy Spirit will not give you words that are contrary to the will of God he will always give you words and language that is in line with the will of God so the mind of the Spirit is impressed upon our mind and when we pray in the Spirit our mind is being distressed and straightened out <laughs> Distressed and straightened out. I cannot even begin to tell you the number of times that I have been and sometimes am in a situation where I know something needs to be done or where something is required of me. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. I haven't got the understanding that I need. And then if I don't immediately cast my care upon the Lord, this, this thing begins to stress me out. So right there I begin to pray in the Spirit, and it always distresses my mind. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Cast your cares upon the Lord, 
for he cares for you. There's a number of ways that we can do that. One thing is, I say, Lord, Lord I literally say, Lord, I cast my care on, on you. But when I'm praying in tongues, I'm also casting my care on the Lord. And he's like, pray in tongues and speak in tongues. And, you know, sometimes people say, how long do you pray in tongues, like at any given time? I pray throughout the day. It's learning to pray throughout the day. And, you know, you can stick those little times together. Could be five minutes here, could be 20 minutes there, whatever it is. And if, if you get to have a quiet time and you spend part of that, you add that to it. But in, in the end of the day, we should pray significant portions of our day in tongues because we are Pentecostal believers. God's given us a gift. Let's not neglect the gift. It's very powerful. So our mind is being distressed and straightened out. Um, uh, <laughs> straightened out. Um, I remember listening to one American preacher. In fact, his name will come to me in just a moment. He says, oh, sometimes he says, Christians get squirrely thoughts. Squirrely, like, you know, squirrely is a bit of a funny word. But he says, you know, when people's minds get all twisted up and get all, you know, out of, out of, out of, all bent out of, out of shape. Is there when we pray in tongues, our mind straightens out and it distresses. Because what I'm indicating when I pray in tongues, and you do the same, we're indicating to God to say, look, we're praying in tongues right now because we don't know. We've already prayed all the other prayers that we know to pray, but tongues is the perfect prayer. And Lord, we have faith as I'm praying in tongues. You give me the right words. And if I need knowledge, you'll give me the knowledge. And, uh, and if something needs sorting out somewhere in a situation, in a, could be family, could be uh, friends, could be a work situation, that, Lord, you will take those words and intercession is being made in and through me by the Holy Spirit, but he's helping me. He, he's not interceding apart from me. He's interceding through me. And situations just get resolved. Some things get resolved quite quickly. Some things take a while in other situations. I've been still praying about and I've prayed about them for years, but I'm still praying because I have faith that one of the Lord's name is that he's the Lord of the breakthrough. One day we're going to see a breakthrough and I don't want to push things off into the future. But I'm telling you, as I say, it's like growing, uh, growing things. You know, you can have spinach... Uh, you can have spinach in six weeks. You put the seed down and boy, this thing will sprout up quickly and with the right conditions, get spinach in six weeks. But if you want a tree uh, and fruit off of the tree, the tree will take a long time to grow and it'll be five, six, possibly seven years before you see fruit on that tree. And, but suddenly you get fruit. It's just taken a while. And so it is with prayer. Certain situations get resolved quickly. Others take a while. And particularly when the will of other people is involved, sometimes it takes a while. And... Uh, and when we pray in tongues, we're being built up spiritually. We are being built up spiritually. I don't know about you, but I need, I need all the building up spiritually that I can get. And I, it's wonderful when I get into a conference and I get built up spiritually and praise God for the privilege of helping to build up other people. And when we have fellowship, encouraging somebody else. But what if nobody encourages me? What if? Or what if the encouragement that I'm getting is not enough to be able to function at peak uh, capacity. Well, I can always encourage myself. And I find speaking in tongues hugely encourages me, builds me up spiritually. And I can 
I can do the things that God has called me to do. Very quickly, Isaiah 28, verse 11 and 12. A couple more verses. In verse 11, it says, For with stammering lips and another tongue, he, capital H, God, he, will speak to this people. Verse 12, To whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Now, there was a specific situation that went on, specific meaning attached to this verse of Scripture in the Old Testament, book of Isaiah. But, you know, we, we, the, uh, theologians talk about uh, the, the, the double meaning, that there's, Scripture has one meaning, but then there's another meaning in there that's not always evident. Here's the amazing thing. When Paul, the apostle, taught about speaking in tongues to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he grabs that scripture out of the Old Testament and he dumps it right in there. It's almost like, it almost like, it seems it's almost like out of context. But how do you know that Paul doesn't do out of context stuff? He used that scripture and he plonked it right in there because there is a meaning that you and I need to understand. When we speak in tongues, this is the rest. When we're all agitated and we're all concerned, possibly worried, speaking in tongues will cause us to enter into God's rest, to enter into the rest of faith. And it says this is the refreshing this is the refreshing with stammering lips and another tongue. N not the regular language, but another tongue. The gift of tongues. Stammering lips. And I'm not in any way wanting to make any fun of anybody that's got a speech impediment. But, but the Bible says with stammering lips. And sometimes when you're speaking in tongues, there is a certain repetitiveness there and, and as I, I'm not here to be unkind to anybody but sometimes people who got a stammer they, they repeat certain phrases or sometimes certain syllables uh, uh, and over and over and you know, it says with stammering lips uh, like there is a from a natural standpoint you look at that and you hear it and say, that doesn't sound right, but it, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit. Paul says, the natural man can't receive it. You've got to be born again. You've got to have a spiritual mind. And uh, so that whole speaking in tongues, that's why on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out, these guys were like euphoric. They were speaking, they were shouting, they were laughing, and, and, and there was just, and then they spilled out into the streets, and people ran together, and they say, these guys are all drunk. And the very first thing that Paul, or rather Peter said when he stood up, he says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, saying that I will pour out of my spirit in the last days. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions and men, old men will dream dreams. And then speaking about the whole baptism with the Holy Spirit. So with stammering lips, 
Hitala masakiria papasa. Hile mosukara babasa. Papapasa rabababasa. Hila mata. A friend of mine, uh, I get around him and we speak in tongues together. Um, and, and sometimes he goes on for a while like ba 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 but for all I know, because I haven't got the gift of interpretation, I don't know what he's saying, but he's speaking in tongues. It may seem like a stammering lip, but this is what God uses to bring this man into his rest. And this is what God uses in your life and in my life to bring us into our rest. And this is the refreshing. And gosh, we need refreshing all the time. I'm talking about fear, spiritual refreshing. And we need mental refreshing. We need calming down like all the time. This is the rest. This is how it causes the weary to rest. I encourage you, friend, be speaking in tongues a lot, every day. Uh, I remember testimonies that we heard uh, of a, a minister lady by the name of Jackie Pullinger, who was ministering in Hong Kong back in the 80s, uh, maybe beyond, I don't know all the specifics. But she took in drug addicts off the street and put them into a room and began to look after them and to get them off of drugs. Heroin for the most part. And uh, withdrawal symptoms from heroin, they, they tell me, is, I've never been on that stuff. Uh, I've been on other things, but not on that. They reckon it's horrific the withdrawal symptoms that they experience, the pain that they experience. And she got him in and put him into a room and took them away from access to drugs and then, then had people praying for them, interceding for them that they get, you know, off of the drugs and then had the pr people themselves praying for themselves. And, 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 and the main prayer for them to use, she said, speaking in tongues. So she got him born again, got him spirit-filled and said, okay, you in your room there, you have drugs, the last lot that you had yesterday, you're not getting any today, you're not getting any more in the future, uh, speak in tongues and, and, and God will give you the breakthrough. So they're, they're speaking in tongues and then they get their pains and their, uh, their, you know, their withdrawal symptoms and they start to spin out. They go to check in and say, oh, look, we are speaking in tongues and we're having problems in my mind. And she said, go, go away and speak more in tongues, more, speak more. So she sent him away and speak more in tongues. In the meantime, she's got other people praying for them. And she got him off of drugs, completely delivered by doing nothing else but speaking in tongues. Intercessors praying for that group and getting them themselves to pray in tongues and they were completely delivered. Nowadays, when they try to get somebody off of heroin, they put him on the methadone. So they're replacing one addictive substance with another addictive sub substance. This thing here, the heroin, heroin is wicked. It's got all sorts of horrible side effects. Well, this other thing's got side effects as well. But a side effect of speaking in tongues is freedom and liberty, maneuvering us into the will of God, distressing the mind, even dealing with the physical pain that goes on. You see, the Bible says that a man with a strong spirit sustains him in, in, in his day of, 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 uh, of illness, uh, of, um, what's the word? Adversity, but also it speaks there about, uh, about you know, physical illness. So when somebody's strong spiritually, they don't succumb to the illness. Uh, they're able to fight their way through it and come out the other side. Um, and so there's a whole area there, friends, that I believe is totally underrated. 
speaking in tongues will deal with things, get us out of, uh, get us out of things. Some people, it's like they're in a time warp. I remember, to finish with this story, and then I've got one more scripture. I remember seeing this movie, I forget the name of it, uh, and I, I don't remember movies by the name, I just might remember a scene here or a scene there. And some of you might have seen the same movie. Uh, it's, it's something to do with some sort of a sci-fi thing. This guy is in an underground train station. So you've got the platform there, you've got the tracks here, and he's there by himself, and he's locked in. Uh, and, and, and so he thinks, I'm going to run out. If the train goes out in this direction, I'm going to run out here. So he runs out here, and, uh, and within about 15, 20 paces, he comes back in here again. It's, it's sci-fi. So it's, it's not natural. It was kind of it's a weird thing. So he thinks, oh, okay, well, that didn't work, so I'm going to run out here. And, uh, and, and within 15, 20 paces, he runs back in here. He's just in there. He can't get out. And I've watched the lives of Christians, and they're just like that. They're in something they don't know how to get out. It could be an addiction. It could be a chip on the shoulder. It could be a hurt in the heart. They just don't know how to move forward. And sometimes, I'm, I don't mean to be unkind, friends. I'm not here to be unkind to anybody. But sometimes people got the, the loss of a, of a loved one, and they just don't know how to get over it. And, you know, at a certain point, friends, life goes on. I mean... <laughs> I'm not here to be unkind, but you need to move on. At a certain point, after you've done your grieving, and after you've dealt with it, you need to move on. But many Christians don't know how to move on. It's like they're in this time warp. But they just don't know how to get out. Speaking in tongues will create a path out of that situation. And you just lay a hold of it, and you don't let up. You don't let up until you're out. And that whole area of speaking in tongues will absolutely create a new path for you, maneuver you. See, when people are grieving year after year after year, God wants us to grieve for a while. We, we, we're not like, you know, we're not like sometimes, you, you know, in the animal kingdom, you know, there's an animal that dies and sometimes the, the others just walk away. We, we can't tell whether they're grieving or not. We, we're not animals. We, we grieve. But how long should we grieve for? And somebody grieves year after year after year after year. You're out of the will of God. And it's possible that the devil is telling you that you need to grieve. Otherwise, you might indicate that you don't care. But you do care. You did love the one that you lost. But at a certain point, you can move on. You can still love them, but you don't have to grieve anymore. You need to move on. So, final scripture here. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him... In perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. See, praying in tongues, besides meditating on the word, is one of the most powerful things that we can do to get a hold of our mind. As we pray in tongues, and I'm just repeating what I already said, this is the final statement, our mind begins to calm down until it reaches a place of neutrality. The thoughts are not necessarily bad. They're not necessarily good. They're just, it just calms down. It's, like, it's just like a, a kind of a, a, a quietening down, almost like a limbo, neutrality. And we then begin to direct our thoughts to think about God, about His goodness, about His mercy. And by the way, we use scriptures for that. And that's called meditation. And this mental state produces perfect peace in our minds. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, Lord, that you're good towards us. 
that you have a plan that is a plan for good and not for evil. To give us a hope, give us a future. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but you've given us a spirit of power. Power, power. We have power. We're not powerless. We're powerless in ourselves, but with your spirit in us, we have power. We have love and we have a sound, a disciplined, and a well-balanced mind. We reject all squirreliness of thought. We reject all worry and fear. We reject all excesses of thoughts racing and taking off in all directions. And we lay a hold of our mind. And we thank you, Lord, that as we speak in tongues, we are making intercession in the first instance for ourselves. But then we can use that same gift to pray for other people, to intercede for lost people, for friends, for family members, and make intercession for them according to the perfect will of God. And so, Father, we thank you that you have empowered us, that we're not... We're not um, we're not at a loss in regards to what to do. We know what to do. You've given us the Holy Spirit. You've given us your word. Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person in the house here today, every man, every woman, every child, every family that's represented here. I decree and I pronounce and I prophesy the blessing of God over your house, the blessing of God over your business, the blessing of God over your endeavors as you study and prepare yourself as a young person, the blessing of God over marriages, the blessing of God over your endeavors of raising a family. Be blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. And let the peace of God be your portion all the days of your life. Live in the protection of God and with the full provision that God has for you. And everyone that agreed with this prayer said, Amen.